Hi, it's Gabby Reese, and this podcast is powered by Laird Superfood. It was created in our kitchen by my husband, big wave surfer Laird Hamilton, and it all started with a simple idea. What began as Laird's secret for long-lasting energy on the waves is now Laird Superfood, offering a full range of delicious plant-based creamers, coffee, greens, and more. Visit LairdSuperfood.com and use the code GABBY2024 and save 20% on your first order. See new things. Try new things. Go back centuries while living in the moment. Forge new paths while discovering old ones. Pedal, paddle, and paint while trekking, tasting, and tailoring experiences that transform you into a better version of yourself. Immerse yourself in the world by activating your mind, your heart, and your body on a river cruise exclusively from Avalon Waterways. Save with limited time offers at AvalonWaterways.com. Avalon is cruising. Elevated. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Welcome to the Psychology Podcast, where we give you insights into the mind, brain, behavior, and creativity. I'm Dr. Scott Barry Kaufman, and in each episode, I have a conversation with a guest who will stimulate your mind and give you a greater understanding of yourself, others, and the world we live in. Hopefully, we'll also provide a glimpse into human possibility. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the podcast. Today, it's a great honor to have A.J. Jacobs on the podcast. Jacobs is the author of Thanks a Thousand, It's All Relative, Drop Dead Healthy, and the New York Times bestsellers The Know-It-All, The Year of Living Biblically, and My Life as an Experiment. He is a contributor to NPR and has written for The New York Times, The Washington Post, and Entertainment Weekly. A.J. lives in New York City with his wife and kids, and I'm grateful to count him as a friend. Thanks for being on the show today, A.J. Thank you, Scott. I hope you I consider well. me a friend as well, or else that's awkward. <laughs> I know. I should have said that. Yes, absolutely. I consider you a friend. And I'm an avid listener of your podcast. So thank you for putting that out. I listen on uh, double speed. So I get twice as much Scott Barry Kaufman. So don't be insulted. But I do love it. And sometimes I'll even listen twice on double speed. So it's as if I were listening on single speed. I love that. Well, I'm honored to hear that. And I'm going to start actually going to start editing the podcast in double speed, but that's a little (laughs) background information that no one needs to know. Okay. So what a really interesting book. What a really uh, neat and clever way to talk about the latest science of gratitude through your own exploration. And you call it project gratitude. Is that right? Yes, exactly. So what is the project exactly? Well, the project is, it started a couple of years ago when uh, I had read all of this research, including by you, about how important gratitude is. You know, it's good for every part of your mental health, your happiness level, recovering from illness even, and sleep and all sorts of, so I knew it was important. So I decided to start this ritual of saying a prayer of Thanksgiving before every meal. 
But the trick is I'm agnostic. So it was kind of weird to thank God. So I didn't do that. So instead I would thank the people. So I would thank, you know, the farmer who grew the tomatoes and then the trucker who drove the tomatoes to the store. And and one day my 10-year-old son said, you know, dad, that's that's kind of lame. Those people can't hear you. You're thanking them, but what good is that doing? You should go out. If you cared, you would go out and thank them in person. And I said, that is a very interesting idea. And as a writer, I'm like, that's a book idea. I am going to. So thank you to my son for uh, earning his supper. And I went around the world for several months thanking over a thousand people who had even the smallest role in making my cup of coffee a reality. So not just the barista and, and the farmer, but those, but also anyone you can think of, the logo designer, the person who drove the beans in his truck, and he couldn't have done his job without the road. So I thank the road pavers and the people who painted the yellow lines on the road so the truck didn't veer into traffic. And you realize there are hundreds of people we take for granted in every little thing we do. And it was, it was a life-altering experience. That's wonderful. Before we go into more detail about those things, let me just step back a moment and, and get a very uh, meta look at AJ Jacobs. So well, you, I love stepping back, by the yeah, way. Yeah, cool. Fan. So you talk about how dispositionally you're moderately grumpy. Right. right. Is that what you said? So you're like a hybrid between Larry David and who else? Well, I'm going with Mr. Rogers now. It's sort of in my mind. Yeah, there's a fight. And I think this is in everybody. There's a fight between the Larry David side and the Mr. Rogers side. And I think if you believe evolutionary psychology, which I think has some merit, we are bred to be Larry Davids, that we have a built-in negative bias because in Paleolithic times, that had survival value. You know, you wanted to be able to focus on the lion. You wanted to remember the one mushroom out of 10 that was poisonous. So you were drawn to the negative. So uh, to me, the idea was to bulk up my Mr. Rogers, just get him ripped. And so he can take on the Larry David. And it's a lot about cognitive behavioral psychology, which I learn about on your show. Well, you know, the last two books, like this book and your most recent one, I mean, are incredibly, incredibly compassionate books. One, they really point towards a unified theme of brotherly love, you know, not in group love, but brotherly love and really um, appreciating as much of the world as possible. If one were just to read those two books, which I did, I am one who did, I didn't at all get a Larry David from them. So have you like radically changed your personality? in the last 15 years, also hanging out with you, like, I consider you one of the most compassionate, thoughtful humans that I know in this world. So if you're the Larry David, then the world's really in trouble. I don't know. I don't know. Like, Well, that is very nice of you to say. And I mean, the Larry David within me is strong, but I do really? battle it. So you and- don't say it out loud. So even in this conversation right now, like, is the real AJ Jacobs having like negative thoughts about me? Like, 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 what is, and you just never. <laughs> well, I don't believe in there's a real AJ. No, Jacobs. I know. I know. I think that. I know. But the is there a one side of AJ who's like being hypercritical of everything? But I am pushing that side down because I think this is another theme in my books is that acting is so powerful. 
I didn't make this quote up, but I love it. It's easier to act your way into a new way of thinking than to think your way into a new way of acting. And this is wisdom that goes back to Ecclesiastes in the Bible, and it's also talked about in cognitive behavioral psychology, that if you act in a certain way, your mind eventually catches up. So that's what I've been doing. I try to act compassionately, even when I don't feel it. And eventually my mind will catch up. And that has been the way I did this with gratitude. You know, I didn't, I woke up grumpy most days, but I would force myself to write an hour worth of thank you notes. And by the end, it actually, my mind had caught up. But do your emotions ever catch up? Like, do you feel like you genuinely feel more caring towards people? Oh, yeah. Yeah. By mind, I meant emotions. Okay. I think your your emotions do follow your actions. I think it's an incredibly powerful. We always think of the inside affecting the outside, but often you can make it the outside affects the inner. Behavior affects your thoughts and feelings. Good. And I like this because you're saying even if someone as grumpy as you can become this gratitude, like there's hope for for anyone. Sure thing. And I was also very lucky because in the book, I have a gratitude guru, as I call him. And that gratitude guru is a highly respected author and podcaster, Scott Barry Kaufman. Oh, stop it. I want to thank you because, as you know. I was like, who who is that? Who is this? (laughs) This this guy who's taking my job. But, uh, But I quote you several times in the book with your wisdom on how to become more grateful and strategies, because that's what I love is. It's sort of, I don't think it comes naturally to us. So coming up with these practices and strategies to make us more grateful. Yeah, it was my pleasure to talk to you. And and that really will get to all those strategies. That'll be something I know the listeners probably care even more about than your own personality. <laughs> but, but. <laughs> so insulted. But, no. Are you really inserted? Are you really insulted? No, okay. absolutely. I okay. Care less. <laughs> so you wrote. 964 thank you notes. That is, did I say that? 964? I I thought I broke a thousand. But yes, I did that. And I think, you know, some of them were written, some were emailed, some were old fashioned, some were over the phone and some were in person. And it was, as I say, it was a remarkable experience because on the one hand, it's a pain in the ass, you know, to write that many thank you notes, thank them. But on the other hand, it feels, from a selfish point of view, it feels really good after a while. Because yeah. I remember I called the woman who does uh, pest control for the warehouse where my coffee beans are kept. And I said, you know, I know this sounds strange, but I just want to thank you for keeping the bugs out of my coffee. And she said, well, that is strange. I'll give it to you. But it also has, it's a highlight of my day because we don't get thanked a lot. Who calls the pest control people? So feeling appreciated is such an important part of well-being. And I think that that really hit home. And then that would make me feel good. I'd get the you know dopamine or oxytocin yeah. or whatever it is. I would, so there's... Um, I love it. Yeah, it's one of the greatest parts of human nature to me is that being nice can be a selfish act. You know, I don't believe that that's why we do it. But I believe that the byproduct of being nice will make you happier, which is just a wonderful coincidence. Yeah. I had a podcast chat recently with Steve Stewart Williams, an evolutionary psychologist, who argues that altruism is not selfish if you get a genuine enjoyment from the giving act. 
it's only selfish when you are giving to someone so that it's a means to an end for something else. Right. So I wouldn't actually say that's selfish if you feel, it's not selfish if you feel good helping people. Right. That's not selfish. That's altruistic. Agree. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I would say it's sort of a, um, a semantic thing, but I think as a way to market being nice, yeah. it's good to remind people that it's like, you know, a little hit of yeah. Prozac by uh, being nice. It can actually make you happier. Yeah, I think that's right. And you picked coffee as this. You're drinking coffee right now, in fact. Wait, do that again. I'm going to right. screen capture that. Okay. Absolutely. So, yes, this is <laughs> so, I mean, I can even tell as you're drinking it right now, you're doing it very mindfully and appreciative. Like it didn't go away, right? True. Yeah. Uh, well, I try. I mean, I chose coffee because it's such a big, you know, it's, I can't function without it. And it's, there are 2 billion cups of coffee drunk every day. And, and it has an effect on every part of our lives. And I also thought that it would show just how many hundreds of people are involved in every little part of our lives. So, you know, this coffee was made with the help of biologists and miners and uh, goat herders and uh, shippers. And it just goes on and on. And the part that you brought up about being mindful while drinking coffee, this is one of my favorite lessons that I learned from you, was the idea of savoring, which is really integral to gratitude. And it will make your life much better because, as you put it, the key is to take a moment and really just latch on, slow down time, stretch it out, because otherwise life goes by in a flash and it all blurs together. And that's what I tried to do with coffee in a literal sense, try to savor it. You know, we're all busy, but if you leave it on your tongue for just two extra seconds and think about it, it will make your life better. And one of the people I thanked on my journey was the guy who buys the coffee beans. He goes around to South America, Africa to buy coffee beans. And he's hilarious because he will take a sip of coffee and, you know, his face will light up and he'll say, oh, I'm getting hints of maple syrup and apricot, you know, like overripe apricot. And I'll take a sip and I'll be like, I'm picking up coffee. That is to me, there's some coffee taste. But, uh, if you do focus just for two seconds on the texture and the acidity and the sweetness, it will make your life better. So that's what I try to do. But, you know, of course, there's, we're all busy, so there's the temptation to guzzle. So you've got to really work at it, make it a practice. Absolutely. With almost anything in your daily life, that was a really good example how you dug into that. So you started this project in reverse, starting with your local cafe and then working slowly backward to the birth of the coffee. But let's start with the barista. It's barista, right? Is yeah, that I think so. And is that gender neutral? Am I, is that politically correct barista? Yes, right? I think it okay. is. I okay. think it is. Gender okay. fluid to use a, uh, yeah, yeah. Is it a gender? fluid term since coffee's a fluid. Get it. I do get it. That was, <laughs> that was good. <laughs> okay. So let's start with the- Please cut that out. So what do we not really appreciate about the life of a barista? Well, a barista's life is not easy. I, I, you know, I spent a lot of time talking to my local barista. Um, Chung Lee is her name at Joe Coffee in New York. And you're encountering people in a very dangerous state, which is pre-caffeination. So people are not at their best. 
And she's had people make her cry just by being rude. And to her, one of the worst parts is people treat her like a vending machine. But uh, yeah, they just hand her their credit card without even looking up from their phones. They're just, you know, focused and um, don't acknowledge her humanity. And she says, you know, it just makes her feel terrible. And so, you know, talking to her, I made the vow to actually make two seconds of eye contact when I have interactions with people. And I know that you're calling the uh, Nobel Prize Committee in Oslo right now. But it's actually, it's such a small expenditure and it has such a big impact. You know, low cost, high benefit for everyone. And not just her, you know, it makes me feel better because I do think we're programmed to be social and look people in the face. So yeah, that was the big lesson from Chung, the barista. And I will say this, she never said this, but I've read, I read about baristas and some of them, probably not the majority, like if you're a jerk to them, they will give you decaf to get revenge. (laughs) Or or extra caffeine. Oh yeah, maybe the other way. Exactly. Okay, look, so, you know, you bring in very cleverly, you you weave in seamlessly the uh, science. So Bob Emmons has done a lot of great work on this. And what does he argue is the enemy of gratitude? Well, first of all, I loved when I interviewed you, you were very clear to thank Bob Emmons. Well, he's uh, a legend in this field. He's a legend. And he does some, what I think, and you know, you know better than me, but he talks about taking things for granted as being an enemy of gratitude because it's so easy to forget just how much goes into every little thing we do. I could have literally written about a hundred different books depending on which corridors I went down. You know, I could have gone down the cup corridor and just talked about the lumberjacks and the people who make the helmets for the lumberjacks and who they are. So did I get the answer right? Is that what the enemy of gratitude is? So what did you actually say was the enemy of gratitude there? Taking things for granted. Oh, taking things for granted. Well, I don't know. He says, grateful living is possible only when we realize that other people and agents do things for us that we cannot do for ourselves. Is that right? That's pretty much the same thing, it's right? The same area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Same that, area. I mean, that, yeah, that's the quote I put in the book, and I loved it because yeah. it is realizing there yeah. are humans involved and Good. there's a lot of thought. And that's one of my favorite parts of the project was just realizing how much thought goes into every little part of life. Like, even this, I know it's a podcast, but this. Oh. I'll take, an, I'll take another picture. It's cardboard sleeve around the cup. And first of all, it has a name, which I love. It's Zarf, Z-A-R-F. Oh. And there were Zarfs even in ancient China to, made of gold and silver. But now they're made of uh, cardboard. But just the fact that someone came up with it, and I interviewed the guy who came up with it like 30 years ago. He, oh. he was in a car picking his daughter up and he got a cup of coffee to go and it spilled on his lap because it was too hot. And he's like, I'm going to solve this problem. So just realizing that there was someone behind that who came up with it. And, now, and there are hundreds of people who manufacture it. How do you spell that? Z-A-R-F. Zarf. Okay. I'm going to tweet out a picture of the screen capture I just took. And my look on my face is one of wonder and awe. And uh, that's what I want. Yeah. (laughs) Important emotion. I got to say that is what I was trying to tap into a lot of the time. Yeah. Correlated with gratitude. Yeah. Yeah. So Bob, back to Bob. 
you know, he argues that gratitude emerges from two different information processing forms of information processing or stages. What are they? It's like uh, an exam. It's like I'm giving you an exam. <laughs> it's in my book. I know it's in my book. Pause it while I look it up. I'll tell you. I'll say it. Affirm- right, yeah. Affirm- Sorry, you're cracking me up. <laughs> Affirmation and recognition. I should have read the book. It's a good book. No, I, I do that too. I do that too. So he argues we affirm the good and credit others with bringing it about. So affirmation and recognition. I just wonder if you could talk about and go maybe give a couple examples of like throughout the course of this journey where you utilized both. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, affirmation is so crucial. And there was just a study like a month ago that you might have sent me, but it was about how we overestimate how awkward it's going to be to thank people and underestimate how important it is to them. And I love that study because it is a little awkward, you know, calling people out of the blue and and even in my own life, I would, I, during, uh, you know, I, I became enamored of gratitude. So I would, I called my old boss who was like, you know, I hadn't spoken to him in 15 years, but just called to thank him for the, that, what all he taught me. And it's awkward, you know, because I hadn't talked to him, but it was also very meaningful to, I, at least me and I thank him. So affirmation is crucial and recognition It's one of my uh, crusades is to show that there's a whole section in the book about one of the guy who does the tasting for coffee. He's also in a band, like an alternative rock band, and he's a bassist. And he talks about how important bassists are. They don't get the limelight like the lead singer or the lead guitar, but they are so crucial. And I found that such a great metaphor for so much of life and that basis, you know, psychologists like you call it the responsibility bias, that we tend to focus on one person that we think is responsible for so much, when in fact, it's almost always a team effort. And there's a part in my book that actually I I got from Adam Grant's book on give and take, where we talk about Jonas Salk. And, you know, I don't want to attack Jonas Salk, but I'm going to because Adam did. But he, uh, you know, of course, he did a great thing by inventing the polio vaccine. But he was also kind of a jerk because he gave very little credit to his collaborators. And there were lots of them, and including six crucial people in his lab. So that made them very upset. And I think it's just bad for society as a whole that like everyone feels they have to be a rock star. And if you aren't a rock star, then you're dissatisfied when in fact you can be lead a wonderful life as part of a team. And then there's this, I don't have this in the book, but there's a story that really sticks with me. And it is, it's not apocryphal. I actually looked it up. It is uh, when John F. Kennedy was president and was touring NASA headquarters, they came upon a janitor and just like sweeping up the the hallway. And JFK said, well, what's your job here? And he said, my job is to help put people on the moon. And I just love that because framing your life like that gives it so much purpose. And it's true. He's not deluded. You know, the astronauts could not do their job if they slip on the hallway and, and you know, break their skull. And so it sounded being, like someone just fell and broke their skull. What was that sound? Serious? No, do you hear I that? Fun. 
No, oh. I have my headphones on. Okay, I heard something like drop in the background. Okay. Should I go check and make sure there's no one? Uh, I think we're good. Okay, think, good. I, okay, good. Yeah. But anyway, that I thought was a lovely story and lovely. A, a great way to yeah to reframe your life. You know, and, I love and, it. I really love it. I mean, the reframing your life, no matter what job you're in. I mean, that's kind of like an Easter egg of your book, like. Your book has lots of threads, right? And you have your main thread, but I feel like there's all these other really kind of profound points that, well, not kind of, you're either profound points. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you said a couple of things I wanted to, to talk about. So one thing you said saying thank you, but you, you write about how people consider it more sincere if you use the phrase, I'm very grateful or yeah, I, couldn't be, like, I couldn't be more grateful. Is that right? That's a better way of saying it than thank you? That was a study, a Wharton study that, I think Robert Evans talked about in one of his books, yeah, that actually saying, I think that it's the problem is thank you might seem robotic. It, uh, you know, it sort of falls on deaf ears. So anything to shake it up and to remind people, you know, I'm not just saying these words, I am feeling this emotion. And so I would say that to my wife and I'd be like, I am deeply grateful that you took uh, our son to the orthodontist and she'd be like are you in some sort of cult like what the hell is this deeply grateful but uh <laughs> so but that's so, just her personality <laughs> yeah exactly so i wouldn't use the word deeply that seems to um be going too far but anyway to shake it up and be creative and i found that in terms of thanking in general it's so much more powerful to be specific and i am now in the midst of writing one as to promote the book, I agreed. I had the idea to write one thousand thank you notes to readers. Oh wow! And I've actually reached a thousand, but I'm extending it because I'm. It's such a delight. It's a pain in the ass, but it's also delightful. Um, so can I just, uh, if people want it, ajjacobs.com/thanks, and there's a form, and you oh, go. Oh, I'll put that in the show notes, AJ. Yeah, please. Okay. I would love to write more. And what I love about it, though, is. You know, it's got your, you put in your name and your address, but then you put in a note of, you know, what you're interested in. It could be, you know, you love the um, Seattle Seahawks or whatever, or, you know, you're graduating dentistry school. And I'm able to write these very specific notes to these people. And then they say some lovely things and I'm able to respond to those. And sometimes things get weird. Well, you know, I've gotten a lot of people who want me to thank their dog which is fine. I understand. I'm a dog person. One guy wanted me to thank his ex-wife for divorcing him. So, which I suppose, you know, if it's probably better that she divorced him. So yeah, I am loving that. But the more specific a thank you note or face-to-face thank you is, the more powerful for both parties. That's great. Let's keep up the list of some strategies people can do to increase their sense of gratitude in their daily life. Can you talk about some others? Yeah, well, one that I use every single day is that when I'm trying to go to sleep, instead of counting sheep, I count things I'm grateful for. And I do it alphabetically. So I might start at A and, you know, I'm thankful for um, the Honeycrisp apple. I just had Honeycrisp apple yesterday and I just, I always forget how good Honeycrisp is. And then B, 
at the, you know, I, I talked to Scott Barry Kaufman today oh. and, uh, yeah, Barry, uh, it's a stretch, but I wanted to get you in there. Uh, it's a stretch that you'd be grateful for talking to me today. No, the B, the B for Barry. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> I thought it would be more natural the K or the S, but that would take too long to get yeah. there. Well, the honeycomb uh, thing starts with an H anyway, than apple. So it's all good. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So yeah, I find that very helpful for falling asleep because uh, I, I rarely, I, I don't think I've ever gotten to Z. I usually am out by like... It's amazing. Yeah. So you just fall asleep. I because thought, yeah. otherwise, my mind, I don't trust my mind. I think that if you leave it alone, it, it can go into some, you know, uh, rumination. It's really attracted to rumination and worries. And so I have to fight that. And this is a discipline I use to fight it. Good. That's a great one. Okay. Should we do another strategy? Sure. Sure. Hold on. Let me think of another um, good well, one. One you've already talked about is just writing thank you notes to people. Oh yeah. Right? And there's yeah. tons of research on that, as yeah. you know. Yeah. I mean, there was, I think, a famous experiment where the idea is, and you did this with your students, I believe. Is that right? It was one of the exercises. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So you can talk about it better than I can. Tell the ideas that you have to write and not to a, a long thank you note. So what did you ask? Maybe just tell me what you asked your students to do, because I think it's similar to what I did. Oh, I'd be happy to tell you. <laughs> well, I just, I feel like uh, you're an expert on this. So why not get your point of view? Let me just Google my <laughs> course syllabus. Ah, okay. If you're Googling yourself, that's okay. Yeah. Um. And by the way, yes, my sir. niece went to the University of Pennsylvania and took your course and found it incredibly meaningful. So <laughs> thank you on behalf of her. You're being like really nice to me today. I mean, you're, you're always, <laughs> I mean, you always are nice to me, but I feel particularly glowing. Well, you know, it's that, the Mr. Rogers side. And, uh, he's listen, he's it, really in full force today. I might get tired. When you get tired, then that's when the Larry David side comes out. So you might want to, yeah, you don't want to go too long or else uh, <laughs> out will come Larry David. But honestly, you know, you can be with me no matter how you feel. You know that well, I'm, I'm not, nice. I'm very non-judgmental. So I'll read the activity that I had the students do. So the exercise is choose a person in your life who has been especially kind to you, but may not have ever heard you express your deep gratitude to them. Write him or her a letter with the intention of reading it out loud to this person, if at all possible. Describe in detail what the person has done for you and exactly how it has affected your life. Mention how often you remember his or her efforts and how you may plan to pay this kindness forward somehow. If possible, read the letter out loud to the recipient. If this is not possible, you can read the letter over the phone or mail the letter and follow up with a phone call. Complete a written reflection to detailing what it felt like to engage in this gratitude intervention. You may feel free to share the letter itself in your reflection, but you do not have to. So that's the... Lovely. And do you have any, do you remember any particular instances where it was particularly powerful for a student? You know, I, I do. I vaguely do now. I remember receiving a, a long email from a student three, four years ago saying like, wow, I totally rekindled with like my dad who I haven't talked to in many years. Like, like, yeah, this person like really felt like they reformed a connection that was meaningful to them. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that the research, if I remember correctly, says that it has a lasting effect. It's not just, you know, a week. It like lasts uh, months, if not years. 
the sort of the boost you get from yeah. doing exercise like this. Yeah. We don't know exactly how long, but certainly at least two weeks, I would say. <laughs> beyond beyond That's better than nothing. Yeah, it's better than nothing. Yeah. If you write one of those notes every two weeks, then you know oh, presumably. Yeah. Booster shots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what you gotta do. For sure. So did you want to talk about any other strategies you did? Like maybe one more? Uh sure. Let me think about what were the other strategies. Well, all right, one strategy I had is just making sure I notice the hundreds of things that go right every day, because that, as you know, my default mode is to notice the three or four that go wrong. So you can do this a number of ways. One is just like spend five minutes, you know, I would press the elevator button. I'd be thankful the elevator came. I'd get in the elevator. I'd be thankful it didn't plummet to the basement and break my clavicle. So you can make a list in five minutes of 100 things that go right that we take for granted. Another way to do this was um, to really make a note when something goes uh, right. Because, for instance, if you asked me five years ago, uh, what's your luck? Do you have good luck or bad luck? I'd be like, ah, oh, I always, I'm on the, you know, always on the slowest line when I go to the drugstore. What's up with that? But that's not true. That's just my bias. That's just because when I am on the slowest line, I get so annoyed that it sticks in my memory. So making a conscious effort to when you're on a line that zips right through, I like to try to say aloud to myself, like, remember this, don't be an idiot. This is an example of things going right. And when, next time you're on a slow line, remember that. I do like that. There's a form of gratitude that I'm trying to coin and wanted to run it by you. It actually emerged from a conversation I had with the physicist, Sean Carroll. Uh, oh, I love his book. Yeah. Well, you recommended his book to me. I'm in the middle of it. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yes, you're right. It's really good. And well, by the time this our episode comes out, the Sean Carroll one will have already been out. And this idea of existential gratitude is not discussed, hasn't been measured, but I'd like to start maybe doing some research on it. And I would just think of it as just like, at the very least, why not just have be happy that you're alive and how improbable that is, considering how many things could have gone wrong in the creation of you. Oh, yeah, that is interesting. I remember Bill Bryson has a, a passage about how unlikely it is that you exist at all. Yeah. Like out of the millions of sperm, you know, the one with you was the one that connected. It's crazy. And, and I also, I loved when I interviewed um, another one of my advisors in this project was Will McGaskill, who is a um, philosophy professor at Oxford, and I love him. He's one of the founders of a movement called Effective Altruism. And I asked him, what are you grateful for? And he said, well, sometimes I'm just grateful that I have arms. And he said, you know, it's easy to be grateful for a, a raise at work, but being grateful for those things that we truly don't even think about, like having arms. And I thought that was that was a wonderful way to put it. Absolutely wonderful. Yeah, no, it, it's very true. I don't, I don't know if that's the same thing as existential gratitude, but what did you think of the idea of existential gratitude? Did you think it was promising? And you can be honest with me if you... No, I love it. Okay. I think it's very important. I mean, the question, as long as your life is a net positive, which I do think most, I don't know, I can't say that, but... Um, 
Uh, I knew, I knew, I knew where you were going with that, and then I knew, <laughs> I knew the thought process that put the brakes on it. <laughs> yeah, I can't say that. I mean, I think my life, luckily, I'm so lucky that you know it is a net positive, despite all the horrible things that happen in everyone uh, traditional life. Yeah, I had this debate with Will McGaskill actually. Okay. Like, you know, is the average human life a net positive? And he says he thinks so. Otherwise, there would be mass suicides. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that tracks to me because your survival instinct could outweigh your decision to commit suicide, even if your life is a net negative. Yeah. But anyway, for me, I consider myself extremely lucky, and my life is so far, I think, a net positive. And um, so, yeah, I should be unbelievably grateful that I exist. And, you know, I, I forget where I read it, but just this idea that we are, you know, just this little sliver of light between two yeah. black, two eternal blacknesses. And I actually, I am very into memento mori, the reminders of death, mm. because I think it's a wonderful tool to remind ourselves that how short our lives are. And, you know, I studied the history of them and they had a lot of, in paintings in the Renaissance, they would have skulls all over just to remind people you're mortal. So, you know, try to live life while you can. And I have a memento mori on my computer, like on my computer, I have a little, it's not a scary skull because I didn't want to be depressed. It's like sort of a happy, fun, psychedelic, colorful skull. But I do like to remember, you know, that life is fleeting and have existential gratitude, as you would say. Wonderful. This conversation really did get existential and dark, but I started it. So, uh, <laughs> so let's talk a little about uh, something a little more hopeful, and that's appreciating mom. So you talk about a house. Zane was uh, was a son of uh, someone you interviewed. Is that right? Who who suggested? He was a son of mine. He is my. Oh, son. he's your son. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So your son Zane suggested to you. You know, really, birthday celebrations should be about honoring the mom. Why is it always about the kid? Oh yeah, I love that idea. It's so crazy that we. On our birthday, it's all about the person who was born, but the person who did all the work that day, who, you know, went through incredible pain is the birther, the mom. And so why we only celebrate the birthee and not the birther is insane once you think about it. And, you know, I, I think the, the the phrase Labor Day has already been taken, but uh so we've got to find another name. But I, I do love the idea of thank every birthday now. I, I write a thank you note to mom for birthing me. And by the way, speaking of moms, I don't know if you know the um, economist Russ Roberts, but he uh, I was speaking to him and he turned me on to a, um, a poem called The Lanyard that is so lovely about appreciating moms and how much they do for us. And we think like when we made a lanyard at camp and gave it to them, like now we're even like here, I gave you this lanyard for all that you've done for me. So uh, we're pretty even. Uh, It's by Billy Collins, the poem. So I I would Google that. It's a wonderful little poem. Thank you. I think a lot of people will be Googling that. 
So you also talk about the importance of interconnection. You say the gratitude trails intersect and overlap everywhere. In fact, if you mapped it out, you could probably connect almost anyone in the book to almost anyone else. I mean, isn't there an obvious thread there between that and your prior book? You know, how everyone... Oh, yeah. It's all relative, how everyone's... Right? Right. My previous book was called It's All Relative. And for that one, I I joined this group of researchers and scientists who are trying to build a family tree of the entire human race through DNA and through sort of internet wiki uh, technology. And... And again, yeah, exactly. It's the six degrees of Kevin Bacon and everyone's Kevin Bacon. So that, and you can figure out how you're related to almost any, we figured out how we were related, right? Didn't we? No, I don't think we ever did that. All right. I'm going to have to do that. I would like to do that actually. Yeah. All right. It's easy. I, I mean, I find it fascinating because there's an experiment two years ago by Harvard where they took Israelis and Palestinians and one group they showed Uh, concretely how they were genetically related, how closely they were. And the other group, they didn't. And the group that was told how they were related treated each other with more kindness in these various memory tasks, and they were uh, more open to negotiation. So I actually think that it's not going to solve all our problems, but this seeing concretely how we're related and linked can be a nudge in the right direction. Yeah. How is Trump and Obama related? <laughs> I did find that out. That I don't think has worked out in terms of their cooperation yet. Oh. But um, but yeah, I, I actually think in all seriousness, this whole in-group, out-group way of viewing the world as a, as a zero-sum game is what the way Trump views the world. And any way we can get to erode that way of thinking is going to make the world a better place. Yeah, very well said. So you say if we connected the world with threads signifying gratitude, the result would be thick as a blanket. Well, I am really quite grateful, not deeply grateful, but quite grateful (laughs) for the, the book you wrote and for putting these ideas out into the world, not just in this book, but there's this theme that is emerging through your entire existence, I would say, a deeper existence that is quite hopeful and and loving at its core. Well, thank you. I I know I have to say it because it's my job, but I do mean it. Thank you, Scott. And thank you again for all your wisdom. It made the book so much better and gay. So um, I didn't pay you. I didn't pay you to say any of that. (laughs) (laughs) And I didn't pay you to be my gratitude guru. That's true. Thank you, AJ. I, I really do appreciate that. Thanks for listening to the Psychology Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you'd like to react in some way to something you heard, I encourage you to join in the discussion at thepsychologypodcast.com. That's thepsychologypodcast.com. Also, please add a rating and review of the Psychology Podcast on iTunes. Thanks for being such a great supporter of the podcast, and tune in next time for more on the mind, brain, behavior, and creativity. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. 
featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Hi, I'm Gabby Reese. Join me and my husband, big wave surfer Laird Hamilton, on our journey with Laird Superfood. From our kitchen to yours, we've crafted delicious plant-based creamers, coffee, greens, and so much more using high-quality functional ingredients. Visit LairdSuperfood.com and use the code GABBY2024 for 20% off your first order. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com.